Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of July 6th, 2021, and this is officially episode number 483, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and it's uh, it's been a long time. It's been a while. I forgot how to turn on the microphone here at the studio. Uh, we've... Uh, been off the air for about a month and uh, not on purpose uh, meant to take a week or two off uh, but uh, life gets in the way sometimes I uh, really work gets in the way sometimes so I, I missed a couple of weeks uh, due to last second schedule changes at work and I do ap uh, apologize for that I know uh, quite a few people reached out and says hey what's going on when you're going to be on when's the next episode uh, we need to talk about this we need to talk about that and uh, I do apologize to those of you who dearly miss the show, I, it makes me feel good that uh, people do miss it. Uh, but I'm back, and I'll be here this week. Well, obviously, I'm here right now, and I'll also be here definitely next week. So we've got a month's worth of news to catch up on, but uh, we're not going to rehash everything. We're going to look at some of the uh, top stories uh, as well as things that are going on that I think are uh, kind of things that we should be talking about here. Uh, things that uh, affect us can affect things going forward. Uh, we got uh, obviously we're going to talk. There's some I don't know if you've heard a little bit of decent news in the UFO field. Uh, some kind of report came out recently. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that tonight. Uh, also, want to mention the Paranormal Conferences and Conventions page at ParanewsInsider.com. The official home of the Paranormal News Insider, paranewsinsider.com. You can click on the events tab up there at the top. Uh, I've done the best I can of updating it, which is uh, it's a little easier this year than it was last year, obviously, with uh, the pandemic going on. Everyone thinking one minute everything was going to go back to normal. The next minute, everything shut down. Uh, so... A little easier this year with uh, people not canceling things at the last second here in the United States. Uh, most things are uh, going, I don't know if you'd say normal, but uh, going back in that direction slowly but surely. Um, for the most part, I still think we're a little ahead of the game here, but that's my opinion. Uh, but the Conferences Conventions page is uh, fairly up to date. Uh, I know there's a few that I'm missing uh, so if you know of an event and you'd like to see it advertised there, I'll, I'll even talk about it if you email me. Um, you can email me at insider at paranewsinsider.com. You can find me on all forms of social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter. That's pretty much it right there. So eh, most forms of social media that you're using to communicate with. Uh, got a few coming up this weekend. I'm not going to get too far into all that, but I've added a few, uh, especially cryptozoology events. Seems like there's a, a lot more of those this year than historically. So check that out. Paranewsinsider.com. Click on the events tab at the top, and we're going to get into news. So we got a lot of we got a lot of uh, stuff to cover here. Uh, some interesting stuff, and of course, 
the uh, second half of the show, we're going to get into this UAP UFO drama that's been unfolding uh, pretty much through the mainstream media. And it's uh, interesting how people have reacted to that. I think it's a little weird uh, how everyone's uh, focusing on this alien aspect, which I think is the uh, the smallest part of all of this that we should be looking at. But anyway, uh, we'll dive headfirst into that uh, probably at the, uh, the bottom of the hour. Uh, but first, we've got some cryptid news for you this week. Uh, some of this stemming back a little... A little further uh, toward last month, but uh, you know, one story that popped up uh, dealt with something that we've never talked about here on the show. And I thought, you know, why not bend the boundaries a little bit? I th- thought this was a little interesting of a a story. That's uh, a little different, uh, cryptozoological animal creature, whatever you want to call it. Seems like a a little silly kind of story, but it kind of brings together folklore. And uh, old school gaming, as soon as I saw the, the name, I was instantly taken back to high school days. Uh, a man named George Goddard was hiking with his girlfriend uh, to the summit of the uh, Simonside Hills in North Cumberland National Park in England. Now, he uh, planned on having a picnic with her and then popping the question. You know that question that uh, guys ask, you know, to, uh, to get married. Uh, and uh, obviously he was going to have a ring, so he's going to pull out the w- the ring to ask the question. Well, the problem was, by the time they reached the summit, he realized, whoops, the ring was no longer in his jacket pocket. Uh, Goddard told Southwest News Service, quote, normally, I'm the type of person tapping my pockets all the time, but I didn't want to in case it was really obvious. Once we got to the top, I went to get the ring and released, uh, realized uh, my wallet was there, uh, but the ring wasn't. I then realized there was a hole in the pocket, meaning at some point on the walk, the ring would have fallen out. Uh, Isobel saw me looking very panicked and then asked uh, me if I had lost my wallet, but I had to come clean. She was obviously upset, but I think... She was sadder for me, and she even offered to drive us home because I was in a bit of state, unquote. Um, So with this story, the ring was actually in a bright blue box, which uh, some people kind of reacted negatively towards, saying that uh, made the story sound a little fishy. Uh, How could have you lost a ring in a box but not known uh, there was a giant hole in this jacket? I mean, this it happens. I've had that happen to me uh, probably more than once. Uh, it seems, though, uh, strange because this area of the mountain is uh, said to have creatures known as Dwargar that play tricks and jokes on travelers. Uh, so maybe there's a little bit to that legend. And some may recognize the name Dwargar to be the gray dwarves of Dungeons and Dragons fame. And I think they've pretty much been ripped off by every gaming platform. Uh, one form or another. But yeah, they're, I don't want to say real creatures, but the legends are true to some certain extent. People do believe in the Dwargar that they do exist uh, in this region. Uh, they're one of the same. Um, yeah, they're actually said to live here. So did a Dwargar really steal the ring uh, or, you know, rip a hole in this jacket? 
Well, on their way out of the park, uh, on their way down off the mountain, he asked several other hikers if they had seen the blue box, but eventually left empty-handed and still single. Uh, He did go online on Facebook and eventually found out that someone had found the ring and the box and posted it on their personal page. Goddard was able to contact the woman and was fortunate to get his ring back and conduct a proper proposal. Uh, Despite the hijinks of the Duergar, she said yes. So all is good for the happy couple. Kind of a weird story, I know. Uh, But we don't really really get to talk about those kind of things. The the legendary creatures uh, out there uh, too often. Uh, It didn't sound to me like he really believed in the story when they brought it up. But that's what really uh, sold the story was the Duergar. But... um, I don't know. I thought it was a nice story with a nice ending. I, I wouldn't have talked about it if they would have got the ring back. That would have been really tragic, I think. Uh, moving from England back over the pond to the United States. Uh, one thing I've talked about quite frequently here on the show is alligator sightings in the Northeast. Uh, seems like it's taken over. I used to talk about mountain lions quite a bit. Uh, don't have too many stories about those right now. Uh, it seems to be the, the big focus seems to be alligators all, all over the place up here in the eastern United States. Uh, another alligator sighting this time comes from Maryland. It's pretty far up there. Uh, 43-year-old William Adams was kayaking with his 14-year-old son, Jake, in Lusby, Maryland, which is uh, just 60 miles southeast of Washington, D.C., near Chesapeake Bay. Uh, The two were fishing from their kayaks when they drifted up to a pile of trees that had fallen into the water. William looked down and was astonished to see the head of an alligator. Uh, He quickly paddled away from the area, and he and his son got out of the water quickly. Now, this was a pond, a pretty shallow pond. They said it was about three feet deep at its deepest, Uh, so that's not very deep. Uh, especially when you have an alligator in the water. It makes the water a little bit smaller. Uh, William uh, returned to the shallow pond later on, but was unable to spot the alligator. And uh, this is when he turned to his knowledge. And his knowledge comes from watching the television show Swamp People. Uh, not something that... Uh, I never really watched the show. I like alligators. Uh, you know, I've been in awe of them uh, my whole life. And I remember... Uh, when I was younger, they were endangered. Well, now they're everywhere, uh, but they're uh, pretty cool animals. I, I do have uh, very high respect for them. Uh, they're very, very dangerous. Probably the most dangerous large creatures we have in the United States. I, I think they probably, I don't know, I didn't research any numbers, but they, they probably you know, kill or injure more people than any other creature other than probably deer. But it's not like deer attack people. Uh, on purpose, they just run out in front of our cars. Um, so yeah, swamp people—they pretty much uh, hunt and kill alligators constantly on that show. But so he uh, learned how to uh, capture alligators from watching the show. So he ordered some supplies from the internet and set up a trap with chicken breasts as bait. And uh, he was amazed the next morning. It took a few days, I, I guess, for him to get all this stuff and get a, get around to doing this. But uh, he was amazed 
The morning after he set up the trap to see the alligator thrashing away while stuck on one of the fishing lines. Uh, And one of the more controversial pieces of the story, uh, he ended up sneaking up on the alligator and killing it with an arrow to the back of the head with a crossbow. A lot of people weren't happy about that. Uh, But what are you going to do with a large alligator in Maryland uh, in a swamp? Uh, People aren't usually uh set up to deal with those kind of kind of creatures so you know he did what he thought was best uh he then enlisted a friend to help him and his son dragged the seven foot six inch long alligator uh was estimated to weigh 150 to 175 pounds and put it into his truck um that folks is pretty big probably one of the uh, largest alligators uh, that i've heard of uh, seen in the uh, the northeast, so that's pretty big. Seven foot six inches, nearly. Uh, they were billing it as eight foot, but that's only seven and a half feet. Um, but still, seven foot is dangerous to people. Yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty big gator. Uh, usually, you see the three to four footers that are turned loose by people who can no longer uh, take care of them. Uh, this one. That's pretty big. It's bigger than uh, what would fit in somebody's bathtub. So this, you know, this one here uh, is a little, a little different. Makes me kind of wonder if this was uh, an escapee or, you know, somebody had this as a pet. This is pretty big uh, for that. Uh, So maybe somebody had this in an enclosure or something. Uh, But the area in which it was found is a little interesting because there's really not a whole lot around. So it makes me kind of wonder. Uh, of course, his decision to kill the alligator without contacting authorities uh, did create a lot of outcry on social media. Uh, what doesn't nowadays, though, I guess. Uh, he did what he thought was best, like I said, uh, considering that most agencies are not very well equipped to deal with alligators. Uh, and again, an alligator that's uh, over seven feet long could potentially harm somebody because you don't expect to come up on one. In Maryland, neither did he while kayaking. So if somebody else were to go kayaking there and not know the gator was there, then uh, that could uh, cause a lot of problems. And probably with a a clear conscience, he couldn't just leave the thing there. But um, so he did what he thought was best. And uh, authorities are certain, they're certain that this alligator was a released pet and the uh, You know, so it's pretty much shut, you know, closed case here at this point with them. But uh, the closest area of wild alligators is uh, really only about 150 miles south along the beaches of North Carolina. If alligators could fly, it would be 150 miles, uh, probably a little further than that. Uh, So, I mean, to me, uh, it's not really in the story at all, but me being me kind of thinking about this, I wonder if it's possible uh, I think it's possible that this alligator might have rode the currents of the ocean northward and maybe made it to this area somehow. Maybe there was a storm or something that could have carried this alligator up. Uh, maybe it, it just made its way undetected over the over a couple of weeks or, or whatever. Uh, it's doubtful, but I think it's uh, interesting that uh, it's possible. Only 150-mile uh, travel 
from the beaches of uh, North Carolina where they're closest to. And this is out in Ches- near Chesapeake Bay. So, I don't know, it makes you wonder, uh, could these alligators be making their way northward? Could they be traveling outside of their established areas looking for uh, new places to conquer? Maybe this uh, got you know, hooked out in the ocean. They can survive out in uh, salt water for a short period of time. Uh, but if you're along the coast, you're going to get some of that uh, brackish water. You're still going to get some fresh water from freshwater sources. So who knows? Uh, but generally, these are released, uh, you know, exotic pets. They they take over the, the bathtub. You know, you buy the kiddie pool at first, and you're like, oh, this is cute. I got an alligator. Let me bring my neighbors over and show them. Then all of a sudden, this thing gets uh, three to five feet big. You're not sure what to do. You put them in the bathtub. You try to put them outside. Uh, they continue to grow bigger. Uh, they become very expensive to feed. Uh, they become agitated, angry for being, you know, enclosed and not given uh, the the proper area to survive. And they get a little angsty. And eventually, people just throw them in the trunk and they take them somewhere and dump them. Uh, this happens uh, way more than what uh, anyone really knows because a lot of these just die, and we never hear about them. Uh, unfortunately, you know, cases like this, they are found. Uh, and, and killed, or sometimes they are found and uh, transplanted to other areas. Uh, but this has been something that's been ramping up more and more and more over the last few months and years. Uh, but it's not the worst story that I've heard recently. Uh, let me get a link to that story. I'll put it in chat for you guys. Um, kind of gets me angry, too. I don't know if you could tell my voice, but... Uh, yeah, if you don't think you can take care of it, don't get it. And if you want to, you know you can't, you, you got it, and you can't take care of it, call somebody. You know, a lot of these uh, agencies, uh, no questions asked, uh, they'll come and take it off your hands. But uh, yeah, that didn't work. Not something you want to do. You don't want to just uh, throw these creatures out into the wild because they can injure somebody. Because, again, if I'm kayaking... You know, here in Ohio or out in Maryland or wherever, I don't expect to come across an alligator. And uh, especially one that's seven foot long, uh, that can uh, easily kill a child or injure an adult uh, or kill an adult for that matter. Once they're more than five foot long, uh, that danger is uh, very, very high. So this one is definitely in that dangerous and deadly range. Uh, so whoever did that, if they did that, uh, shame on them. That's that's not a good thing uh, to do. Plus, it's a death sentence to the alligator if they did let it loose. Uh, Maryland gets awful cold. Um, man, the alligator wouldn't uh, survive much into December at all. Uh, but if that's not scary enough, I mean, for me, if I paddle up to a, a, a nearly eight-foot-long alligator while kayaking, uh, I don't think I'd be kayaking too much more after that. That would probably end my kayaking career. Not that I have a career in kayaking, uh, but that would be scary. But if that's not scary enough, what about this next story where a woman woke up, sits up in bed, and finds herself inches away from a large wild African cat sitting on her bed? Yes, that's what uh, one Atlanta suburban woman encountered on Wednesday, June 30th, 
Christine Frank woke up to find a large serval hovering just six inches from her face. The cat had entered the house through an open door. Uh, Christine uh, scared it off and uh, cowered in the corner a little bit. Uh, After getting out of the room, her husband was able to open another door, allowing the cat to go back outside. Uh, The cat didn't seem too intimidated, and it did hang around the house for a few photo opportunities before disappearing into a nearby golf course. Uh, Yeah, it's a a wild cat. uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of a serval, but a a serval is, uh, you know, it's a, a big wild cat, but it's not a big cat per se, and uh, throw another, uh, there's a picture of it, uh, actually from their camera. So that, you know, I wondered when I first read the story, are they sure? And as soon as I saw the picture, because, you know, there are uh, house cats. I can't remember the name of those things, but they're, you know, they're giant. They're pretty big house cats. But this, no, this is definitely a serval. Uh, They got the long neck. You can't really tell from that picture. There's other pictures uh, that are 100%. A serval, so really interesting. Um, and I say it's large, but they're only about two feet tall. But two feet tall uh, versus Fluffy the house cat that you're used to seeing at your feet, uh, that's a vast difference. And a lot of people aren't used to seeing cats that big. Now, a dog that big would have been no big deal, but uh, you see a cat with those uh, spots and, and lines on it and the tan and black, uh, it's a little scary. You're not sure, and you can tell it's uh, something that's not n- not normally seen, uh, especially in your own bedroom. And again, it's you know it's it's big, but it's essentially, I guess I can best describe it. It's probably the same size, probably a little bit bigger than a fox, but has pretty much the same diet. So they don't eat people, uh, they don't eat kids, they don't eat um, things like that. They they go after like mice. And birds, uh, things like that. So they're not gonna. It's not dangerous per se, but it's still scary. Uh, they are wild creatures. You don't know what uh, a wild animal is gonna do like that. That's uh, finds itself trapped or scared. Um, but the interesting thing with servals, I, I hear about these all the time. Uh, servals are probably one of the most found exotic animals. Uh, escaped. They don't really make major headlines because you can pretty much walk up to one of these and start petting it and and kind of carry it off if you really wanted to. Uh, they're pretty, I don't want to say domesticated because they're still wild animals, but they're pretty calm around people when uh, they're raised in captivity. Uh, they've been kept as pets, uh, pets for thousands of years, stretching back to ancient Egypt. Uh, but again, they're wild animals. And they're not a threat to humans, so they're really, really, unfortunately, very popular in pet trades uh, with exotic animals because they are pretty exotic, uh, pretty cool-looking cats, and uh, probably a big deal in Georgia. Uh, it's not the first time I heard about servals running loose in Georgia. Uh, we've had a few out in the Midwest as well, but yeah, these are uh, very easily traded. They don't get that big, and they're uh, exotic animals. So, again, not another good story. Uh, However, uh, this cat remained elusive uh, for about a week, and they finally captured it, uh, I think it was yesterday or this morning, and 
Uh, their hopes are to relocate the animal to an accredited sanctuary. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the woman wasn't really super in danger, but again, you don't know that cat could have injured her with uh, claws or could have uh, bit, bit her as well. But why are people doing this and where did this cat come from? You know, who had this cat? Uh, it also begs the question that if these animals do escape, because again, servals are um, probably one of the, the top cats that are kept in people's backyards, other than tigers and lions that we hear about a lot. You know, it begs the question, if these cats do get out into the wild, can they start breeding? Will we have wild, wild cats roaming the countryside? You know, wild servals here in the United States. It's, it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you, you go to Florida and see all the, the uh, creatures that are taken over down there. Uh, we've had a lot. Uh, especially down south of uh, exotic animals that have kind of taken over everywhere. So you never know. But uh, it's the first I've heard of one breaking and entering into a house and being face-to-face with somebody. Uh, again, that would be pretty scary. Uh, but yeah, you might want to keep your doors uh, at least shut. Especially in, in uh, Atlanta. You never know. Down there. So that's your cryptid news for the last four weeks, I guess. Um, we're going to move into UFO news, the biggest story pretty much of the year. Uh, probably one of the most important UFO stories in decades. Uh, it's not come to a conclusion. I know a lot of people were waiting for the report to land and thought that uh, full disclosure was going to happen. We'd have celebrations. Uh, they would, uh, you know, wheel out uh, the UFO they've got out in Roswell and, uh, you know, put everything on display and say, yeah, we've got this and we've got that. We found this. We found that. But uh, a lot of us knew that uh, we'd probably just be another, uh, another, um, I don't know, letdown pretty much. Uh, but yes, the, uh, the most important UFO story finally unveiled. Uh, but again, I, it's not the end all be all. This is just another step, but it's a very important step. And I think this is um, one of the biggest public, um, I don't know, you can't really use the word disclosure of information, but uh, release of information that kind of sort of points to UFOs. Uh, But I think a lot of people are well too caught up in the whole UFO aspect of this UAP a report which is really focused on a whole lot of, of other things, but um, the general public and the media seem to really be wrapped up in aliens and UFOs uh, more so than what this report is really wrapped up in. Um, but that's good because at least we're getting, you know, where there's uh, some healthy discussion about aliens and uh, UFO technology. Uh, but again, it's not the, really the intention of this report. That uh, finally landed out in the public eye on June 25th. Now, the U.S. intelligence community finally released its report on UAPs and gave us about as much information as uh, as a lot of people thought. Pretty much what I thought as well. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just a way to stir up interest, stir up controversy. 
and uh, a little bit of a threat on top of the cherry. And when you do that, uh, when you get politicians a little nervous about what the general public thinks, um, this leads to uh, funding. So funding is uh, money, and money buys things, and um, money makes people rich, some people. Uh, others, it uh, hinders the development of actual information. So I think that's kind of what's going on here. This, this, this report and all the, uh, the hubbub behind it is really just another way to uh, generate a little bit of income for the, the military. I mean, come on. They need to buy more equipment, pretty much, which is really uh, the root of all this stuff anyway, which I'll elaborate on during the story. Uh, so uh, very short. I was a little amazed. I would have figured it would be a little chunkier with a little bit of misdirection involved in the report uh, to kind of talk about one thing and then just uh, kind of elaborate another and kind of drone on no pun intended, about uh, various aspects of the UAPs, uh, but very short, very quick, very right to the point, and nine pages. So the short nine-page report states that 144 reports originated from 2004 through 2021, and these reports obviously from military personnel, mainly uh, Navy pilots, uh, of these uh, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors, uh, meaning probably radar and uh, the root of all the, the problems, uh, infrared cameras on these uh, aircraft, which is where um, the problems begin. And now they want more money uh, for probably for more cameras, for more technology and more job security uh, for people. It's not really about getting to the bottom of all this, I don't think they really care. I just think that they, it's, it's about funding. It's about getting money to fund other projects or pay people, uh, create new jobs, new positions. Yeah, it's the military. They do what they got to do to survive. Um, 18 incidents described in uh, 21 of the 144 reports. There was observations of unusual movement by the UAP, including patterns or flight characteristics and of the 144 reports, only one was able to be identified with high confidence, which was discovered to be a large deflating a balloon. So we can we can say that 143 reports have any uh, really weight or bearing on uh, this overall report. And again, this is only I think they've may have focused on certain things and kind of left a lot of other things out. But uh, these UAPs, um, and again, they they didn't nick one out of this, but uh, this was the conclusion of the in-house investigation of these reports. So this begs the question, uh, and this is, again, everyone's talking about all the headlines are on aliens and UFOs, uh, unidentified flying objects, which is does not denote a, an alien presence, but come on. Come on. When we say UFO, what comes to mind? Yeah, it comes an uh, Independence Day type of attack on uh, you know, alien flying uh, UFOs. 
uh, you know, shooting laser beams and uh, burning down cities and, you know, capturing people and making us uh, into batteries to power their spaceships so they can get back to their planet. I know I'm going way down the rabbit hole with that, but, uh, you know, when we hear UFO, we instantly think of aliens. It's it's kind of a, a give and take. You can't just say that it's an unidentified flying craft that could be anything. That's that's uh, that's out the window. Uh, so that's pretty much why they created this UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, tag uh, to uh, kind of pull it away from the whole alien thing. But again, the media has kind of mixed the two together again. Uh, so... Does this report point to alien-powered craft flying through our skies? No. No. No, it doesn't. Uh, the report essentially points to the high possibility these reports are due to foreign adversaries. Uh, so we're blaming this. Uh, a lot of these reports are uh, – they're fearful that this is uh, other countries' technology that we cannot uh, cannot track, cannot trace – cannot uh, capture, uh, cannot keep up with. Uh, so that's the fear here, that uh, foreign technology is spying on our uh, military maneuvers uh, and on our country, and we're unable to do anything about it. That's kind of what they're hinting at. They don't want to come right out and say that because then uh, you're implicating other countries, and that's not a good thing to do. Uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, so this is kind of the, a roundabout way to, uh, again, stir up controversy, stir up concern. And, you know, we don't want our freedom infringed upon. So, you know, money. Money. And I'll say this a hundred times, but, I, you know, you wait. Down the road too, too much further, we're going to be reading about how uh, there's going to be some funding shifted toward the, the Navy and other military organizations for uh, figuring all this stuff out. But uh, I think it's kind of been mostly figured out already, but they just don't want to hear about it. Um, no, so foreign adversaries. But I've also said here on the show that I, I think there's some uh, domestic technology that's uh, a lot more advanced than what the government is uh, aware of or really understands. And there's, uh, of course, a list of issues behind UAPs, which I've talked about. Uh, over the course of the last few months, many of these points are brought forth in this report, uh, including the lack of a, a standardized report collecting uh, collection methods. So you don't just uh, uh, take somebody's word for it or get a short report or a quick video. Uh, that could be misleading. Uh, so mere statements, there needs to be some sort of standardized reporting uh, where we get uh, as much information as possible so we can take that and disseminate it and see if there's common things or things that are a little misleading here. And uh, this isn't good enough. And while a small handful of reports have been researched thoroughly, none of them are able to find any sort of potential logical solution other than the, the balloon or point confidently in another direction. And this is my issue that ties in with a report collection. There doesn't seem to be any apparent investigation going on into most of these claims other than collecting statements and data. However, on the outside of all this, many legitimate internet sleuths, such as a Mick West from Metabunk, uh, have been able to create a high amount of certainty towards potential explanations, 
But why can't the government do this? Do they not want to do this? Do they not want to um, consider logical explanations? I don't think they do. The other glaring issue with the report is that UAPs more than likely lack a single explanation. So everyone's in, in love with the fact that, hey, these are these got to be UFOs. These got to be, you know, alien powered, either alien driven or alien controlled craft of some sort from another planet. Uh, maybe some of these are, maybe a percentage of them. But what about the rest? What are all these things? Um, are some of these advanced foreign technology? Maybe. But what percentage? Are some of these explainable? Oh, more than likely. Uh, we've just ignored very simple things. And again, people like Mick West have uncovered uh, information that's pretty much, there's no way you can deny it. Uh, but the government hasn't, uh, hasn't said anything about it. So private citizens could take the data given and find a logical explanation that's a very high percentage of a chance of explaining it. Why can't the government do that? That's, that's my question. Um, but yeah, you can't just assign one thing to explain it. And, you know, I've cautioned people uh, over the years about uh, various reports like Bigfoot reports. Well, you know, there's so many reports that it's got to make Bigfoot real. Unfortunately, that's not how things work. Uh, just because you have a large amount of cases does not make the phenomena real. And this is what we have to be uh, careful of here with these, uh, you know, you, you put a number on it, 144, 143, I guess, uh, and it makes it sound like it's uh, very convincing that, yes, it's got to be an alien. Some of these might be foreign technology, but it can't be all of them. So that, that means aliens are real. This proves it. I've heard that time and time again. People talk about that, but that doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. The number doesn't mean anything. Uh, so airborne clutter is the leading potential cause, such as the deflating balloon identified in one of the reports. Uh, some could also be birds, believe it or not. Uh, no swamp gas. Uh, but who knows? Maybe some of them are swamp gas. I doubt it. Uh, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, uh, or other airborne debris such as plastic bags might also be to blame. Uh, from what I've seen uh, and, and what I've been reading uh, about some of these cases, many of these could, could uh, confuse uh, an operator, especially with infrared technology, which seems to be at the center of a good majority of these reports. And, you know, it begs the question, do, do we know how to operate this stuff? You know, we see this in the ghost field where people run out and buy stuff. And the first time they turn it on is in a, in a purportedly haunted environment. And, of course, they're getting all sorts of good evidence and information. But are they? Or do they just not know how to use it or what normal is? If you don't know what normal is, how do you know what's? abnormal or paranormal or what's a UAP. Everything's a UAP if you don't know what you're doing with the thermal camera. Um, researchers, again, outside of the government have been able to discern uh, a lot of things about the, the ones that have been made public. 
So the glowing aura report was nothing more than a processing artifact. That's very common in thermal cameras, which probably eliminates a good chunk of these cases. Uh, the Tic Tac video coincided with movements of the camera, meaning the object wasn't performing fantastic maneuvers as advertised, and the object itself is in question. Uh, even the GoFast video was an illusion of speed due to camera movement, and that object was actually doing wind speed, not uh, magical maneuvers that defy physics, which is the headlines that you read, uh, which means it probably could be a balloon. The gimbal UFO shows uh, that when the UAP uh, purportedly rotated, uh, other patches of light, however, in the scene rotated as well. So that uh, means the object is probably a camera artifact and shows a distant aircraft flying away. And again, this is uh, uh, Mick West and a lot of other people showed the data. The, the aircraft in question was identified by time and flight path. But again, the government said nothing about it. They don't care. They're just throwing stuff out here. Uh, they're not going through it. They're not disseminating it. They're not questioning it. They're not researching it. The uh, Triangle UAP that uh, we talked about here on the show, uh, the video shows multiple points of light, including stars that look like triangles. So the filming method, and I think this is because they used uh, infrared camera, but they used a uh, probably a monocular, and then they used a, a cell phone to record with it. So you have multiple uh, multiple lenses, and when you do that, and if they're not perfectly lined up, you're going to get a, a uh, phenomenon called bokeh, and that creates this triangular effect. It's uh, very popular in movies. They do it on purpose. It creates uh, uh, lights that are, are different shapes. Now, all these cases involved infrared cameras. And uh, a couple of them, uh, some of the early leaked ones also had uh, new operators or the camera equipment was new. So that, you know, again, that begs the question, do we really know about our own technology? We're, we're fooling ourselves with some of these reports. And that makes me wonder just how many of those 104 reports are misidentification because we don't understand our equipment. These aren't UFOs. These aren't UAPs. It's it's we don't understand what we're seeing in some of these cameras. But again, not all of them. Not all of them. And uh, it's perception as well. When you're looking through infrared, it doesn't really give you distance. Uh, so sometimes objects look like they're doing things that they're that they're not really doing because they're at a different distance. And again, some of the ones that were defying physics. It's just because the, the operator didn't know what they were looking at. And it makes you wonder how many of those uh, could be easily explained that way. But again, they don't care. They're not going to give you the, the data behind that. So one of the, uh, probably the biggest interest about the report is uh, something that's already been discussed publicly. And that's the fact that UAPs could threaten flight safety as well as be a national security threat. I mean, if we're seeing all these things that are uh, flying around our aircraft and, and uh, recorded, you know, what about, what about people on, uh, you know, flying to Florida or something? You know, doesn't that, uh, doesn't that uh, mean that maybe they're in danger? 
So the UAP task force states that there were 11 reports of near misses with pilots with UAPs. Uh, while there's still no direct evidence that any of these reports are foreign aircraft, the government continues to keep a close eye on these reports uh, as this is really the highest potential threat, you know, threat to our safety in the skies or threat to our, our government. Uh, so just as many have speculated, this report really doesn't provide any answers. It really just opens the door for even more questions. Uh, there's many of us like myself that are really frustrated with these reports because it's, it's, you're making, ins, you know, insinuations about alien crafts or, or foreign technology when really everything we've seen so far, everything that's been released. And again, how, how does stuff filmed on government property by known people get leaked without any repercussions. That's unheard of. Uh, the, you, you know, the government knows who released all these things. Some of these were uh, probably released by them. But it, for what end? Other than to stir controversy, concern, and interest. You know, they're not trying to hide any of this stuff or... People would have disappeared, uh, wouldn't be on the front page of every newspaper. So there's something behind all this. And again, pretty much every single one that's been leaked is either operator error or misidentification of something else. I mean, it's overwhelming uh, that overwhelming odds that probably a good chunk of these 144 are just uh, – People that don't know what they're doing with this technology or don't understand what they're seeing, such as uh, a commercial jetliner 60 miles away thinking that this object is only five because they don't know what they're doing. And if we were to take uh, these, hey, we don't know what this is immediately and we shoot it down or we fire rockets at this thing and start shooting down commercial airliners, we're going to have some uh, a lot more problems on our hands than strange videos popping up every six months. So uh, this story is not over. Uh, we're still going to hear more about it. Uh, it's going to it's gonna probably quiet down for a little bit, but you're going to hear more. Uh, again, you're going to hear probably a lot of discussions in the government about what do we do? What's the next step? Who do we write the check to? And there will be money. Uh, we'll probably never get any more information other than another leaked video in the future, guaranteed uh, we'll have a few more, probably every few months or so. So I'd probably give it until, what are we in July now? Probably uh, late September, early October, we'll get another video of something really mundane and uh, it'll be quickly disseminated by the general public and they'll figure out something and the government will still not have any kind of comment. And it'll go on and on and on. Uh, but uh, again, the good the good thing about this, not to sound all grumpy about it, but the good thing is, is yes, we're talking about the subject. Uh, people no longer making fun of aliens and and UFOs. It's it's becoming a mainstream topic of concern, uh, but uh, doesn't really have too much related to this, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people think it it does, but I don't think it does uh, to these reports. Something on the side, but uh, at least there's discussion about it. Uh, so, talking about UAPs and the government, uh, there was a story here that kind of got buried 
that uh, popped up in one of my news feeds that I found very, very, very interesting. And this uh, report surfaced in back in May of this story, and I really didn't take it too seriously, but uh, it came back out in late June. A little bit more information rolled out about this, so uh, this is definitely something I wanted to talk about, and it kind of ties in with the UAP reports. It's not necessarily paranormal. I don't think. It's more of a technology type of, of thing. Uh, so reports surfaced back in May of this year of an interesting encounter between a Border Patrol helicopter and a highly modified drone in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, the incident occurred back in February but came to light in May with new information coming forward just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the drone nearly collided with the helicopter just after 10 p.m. back on February 9th of this year. The uh, helicopter then chased the drone over 70 miles at speeds of in excess of 100 miles an hour and at altitudes up to 14,000 feet. So I don't know uh, if you don't uh, if you don't use drones or've never flown a drone, um, that's not normal. Uh, 70 miles is not something that you can do uh, sitting in your backyard or standing next to your car with a remote control. Uh, they don't broadcast that far. 70 miles would include a chase vehicle of some sort or you know a truck, something driving, moving. But uh, 100 miles an hour, that's uh, some interesting technology. And altitudes up to 14,000 feet, that's not very normal either. Uh, during the one-hour chase, which again, that's another thing here, um, that's not normal either. Batteries don't last that long. And when you're talking about going high altitudes or high speed, that usually drains your battery pretty quick. Uh, so all these things are a little bit abnormal, which uh, initially, so when I read this back in May, made me think that a lot of people were very doubtful. And this was actually posted on a, uh, a drone website. And the people that followed the story said that this is not likely that the, the police just didn't know what they were talking about or what they saw. And it's probably just one of those anti-drone stories trying to get um, more regulation on drones and drone technology. Uh, probably what the UAP stories might be leaning toward as well, but we'll see. Um, but now more and more information, police reports have been uh, leaked. And this is a legitimate story here. Uh, so during the one-hour chase, the drone violated restricted airspace belonging to the Air Force uh, as well as uh, Tucson's airport. Uh, the drone also displayed maneuverability and power reserves far beyond those of a consumer drone. Not just uh, a little bit, uh, but a lot. Uh, if you, you have a drone, yeah, you can fly it and take aerial photographs for about an hour. But if you're going to fly this thing at high altitude or high speed, it's not going to last that long. It's going to die. Uh, you can't fly it that far without chasing it. So that shows a little bit of, uh, I don't know. It's something going on here. It shows a lot of uh, 
there had to be more than one person involved in this. Uh, the drones uh, was when they were in the helicopter, they noticed that uh, there were signs of it flying in erratic patterns. And that's this will happen if the signal is getting weak on the controller. Uh, the pursuers thought the batteries were about to die but uh, or the signal lost, but the drone would then pick back up and continue to elude them. So, again, they, they feel that uh, there's some sort of chase vehicle involved, probably. Uh, despite a headwind of 40 miles an hour, the drone continued to fly at over 100 miles an hour. So, something is going on here. Somebody's got some technology that... Uh, uh, it's far beyond that. I'm not really that big into drones, but uh, I read a lot of the comments about some technology that uh, some types of batteries that they were probably using um, and maybe misidentification or misdirection. When you're flying in a helicopter, things look a little bit different. Uh, but, you know, they have a lot of this data is, you know, you're flying 100 miles an hour in a helicopter you know you're flying 100 miles an hour, and you can tell headwind and everything else, uh, relative speed and all that stuff. And ironically, the uh, the chase ended after an hour because the helicopter had to turn back due to low fuel reserves, and the drone was never seen again. So this is interesting, and this goes with what I was saying on the UAP reports. You know, there's concern. You know, when you're off the coast of San Diego and you see a UAP flying around your your military aircraft, uh, that this is potentially a foreign adversary. But it begs the question, if we got strange drones flying around here, and we had the strange drone story uh, last year about drones flying around military bases, you know, maybe there's something domestically happening here as well. You know, are there spies, people maybe... Uh, Give, selling information or evidence of, of our technology to foreign governments? Or is it just curiosity seekers? What's going on? Uh, there's something definitely strange happening in our skies outside of aliens and UFOs. But uh, a lot of this is belief-based, and our last story tonight involves that belief-based on uh, life beyond Earth, as a new scientific poll was re recently released from the Pew Research Center. Yes, a new scientific poll dealing with intelligent life beyond Earth. Some interesting results, a pretty basic um, poll. They always give a little bit of information. They never say where they actually asked people this. So I it depends on what form you're using uh, as to kind of how your people are going to react to this. You know, if you're – when you're talking about belief in aliens, it depends on where you're gathering, you know, hitting those people. But uh, it's a pretty high number of people, so I kind of trust it a little bit. Uh, the study suggests that 51% of those polled believed – the uh, UAP reports from the military are likely evidence of intelligent life outside of Earth. So the headline is more than half believe that these reports show evidence of intelligent life outside of Earth, which uh, I'm not one of. Uh, however, the numbers are broken down. And when you really dig into the numbers, only 11 percent 
say definitely evidence uh, and 40% say probably probably evidence uh, with 36% saying probably not and 11% saying definitely not. So when you break it down, it's not as conclusive as what they initially made it sound. Uh, the poll states that 65% of people believe intelligent life exists on other planets. It also says 51% of people feel the UAPs reported are not a threat to U.S. national security. Uh, 36% say a minor threat and 10% say a major threat. And, you know, like I said, I, I always like to know where these polls are coming from, where are they getting their information, where, how are they collecting it, and what are they collecting it from. Uh, not a whole lot of information uh, behind that uh, to answer my questions. Uh, but it does say that the poll uh, included 10,417 U.S. adults, and it also included a number of other questions uh, probing the topic. They, they were trying to narrow down uh, belief on intelligent life and tying in this UAP report, which is interesting because, you know, now that this information is, again, coming to the general public and people are, again, focusing on the alien aspect of this, which, I, again, I don't think is the center of these reports, but it's uh, it's what sells newspapers. It's headlines like that, talking about aliens, it gets people's attention. Uh, even though um, you know, you could say a few years ago, most people didn't believe in that stuff, but now it's getting to be more and more commonplace. And I think, too, with our culture, as I've said off and on again, uh, I mentioned it in my, my book about UFO uh, researchers, um, that culture about belief in life in outer space is far bigger than anything else uh, paranormal-wise, you know, far bigger than any kind of uh, uh, movies or, or anything else on Bigfoot or ghosts. Um, you, you can count the number of ghosts and encrypted movies that come out in a year, you know, and maybe on one hand sometimes, some years. Uh, but the number of uh, alien life-based movies is incredible. I mean, everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is based on life in outer space. Star Wars. Um, I mean, go on and on. Transformers even is about alien uh, uh, robots. Uh, there's more to it than what we realize. So we're inundated with this cultural uh, belief systems, and I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird down our disbelief of the possibility of the potential. Uh, unfortunately, because it is extremely extremely uh, very small percentage of chance that anybody could find us in this giant vastness of nothingness and darkness. Uh, we're a very, very tiny speck of little blue ball in uh, the giantness of even our solar system, let alone anything else. Uh, but people got to believe in something because we don't want to be left alone. If this is all we've got uh, is this planet. Uh, I think we're in trouble and you don't have to go too far uh, to see that all the telescopes 
all the ways looking for intelligent life in outer space, well, they're pointed away from Earth. And if that doesn't tell you what you need to know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, one last thing on this poll. Uh, I think one of the most interesting questions I saw was, uh, it says, quote, just your best guess. Do you think UFOs are friendly, unfriendly, neither, or no answer? And uh, 17% said friendly. Uh-oh. Uh, but don't worry, only 7% said unfriendly. And the majority, 74%, said neither. So that's good, because uh, at least we're not fearing what could happen. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to become a battery. I don't want to become a battery. So that's your thought for the night. Uh, good luck sleeping tonight as you think about that. And I do appreciate you guys coming out, listening to this, sh listening to the show tonight. And uh, we're back. I'll be definitely be back next week. And a whole new uh, array of stories from all over the world. Strange, the weird, the unbelievable, and the hopefully believable someday. So I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, despite how negative I might get and how critical we are of the news you got to be critical but please don't stop believing there is something out there so for the paranormal news insider this is dr brian d parsons reporting